in a minute, I'm going to need a sentimental man or woman from Tenacious D to pump me up. Just for the light The only thing we're all just too uptight And everybody knows they've got the right Cold passions, roaming your factions No taste for facts, the old days are back What is going on, fellow streamers? Welcome in to another edition of Streamer Season, the exclusive streaming platform, TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB and Dylan coming at you for the first half of the show. Christian will join us for Poker Face episodes 9 and 10. Christian will also join us for part of the news, and Dylan and I are also going to talk part news as well. So it's a whole mishmash, kibosh, shishkosh, oshkosh, bigosh, shout out Lil Wayne episode of Streamer Season. <laughs> Dylan and I are going to be recapping chapter 22 of season three of the Mandalorian. But before we do that, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at streamer SZN, Twitter, Instagram, follow the network at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you may decide to get your podcast, we are there. And Dylan, for the people, say the line. The line? The line? The line is the same line I've been saying all the time, and I have no problem repeating it every single time. The line is that wherever you are listening, there should be a review section or a comment section where you can leave some detailed descriptions on what Kyle, Christian, and I are to watch next. It can be a TV show. It can be a movie. It can be on literally any of the services provided in the world at this point. And let us know. We're always down to watch it. People have let us know. That's why I say this. It's working. People, I've watched a couple shows via, um, like independently via the uh, suggestions. Kyle has watched shows. So we are listening and it helps. So please reach out, comment, and uh, let us know. Yeah, I, uh, this past weekend I watched uh, Burt Kreischer's new comedy special on Netflix, the old Razzle Dazzle. Dylan, How was that? Dylan, I think we're going to have a, have to have a boys' day and watch it together because... Is that funny? I truly felt like I was going to regrow my abs. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, if you haven't watched Razzle Dazzle, highly recommend. If you want a good quality, guttural laugh for an hour straight, go watch Burt Kreischer's new special. Uh, it's unbelievable. But yeah, leave them there and leave them in the YouTube comment section and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're working on some big, nice little potential interviews for this podcast. Uh, and of course you get full video episodes of streamer season each and every week, plus every podcast on our network, you get clips, live streams, 
full video episodes of everything, original content. And like I said, we're working on some interviews, news and notes. We got some news today about a friend that works for us and a family member of his having his movie picked up by a certain streaming platform. So we oh. might have we might we might have a, a movie writer on the show pretty pretty soon. Um but go subscribe to the YouTube channel as of this recording, right now, in this very moment in time, Dylan. We are currently sitting at 426 subscribers on the YouTube channel. We're on that road to 500, obviously on that big road to 1,000, where if we get to 1,000, Dylan's cosplaying at Comic-Con in October. I'll be watching season one of Game of Thrones. Come on. You want us to do this. You want us to do this. Go subscribe. Smash the like button. Ring the bell icon. And without any further ado, our chapter 22 episode of The Mandalorian Breakdown will be right with you. But of course, this episode and every episode of Streamer Seasons brought to you by our amazing merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. With their unique designs and high quality clothing, there's no doubt that you will stand out in the crowd. Whether you're going to the movies, because Christian and I talked about it a little bit, which you'll hear in, a, in down the line. We're coming up on big box office season, Dylan. Yes. This, this May to July swing of movies. Of course. Barbie's coming out soon. Barbie, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Oppenheimer. We got bangers on deck. And you're going to want to stand out at the movie theater when you're rocking your streamer season merch. Whether it's streamer season official letter shirt, the, the hoodie, which is my personal favorite. Love the streamer season hoodie. Love you guys that. can get your own. When you go to phiapparel.co, use code UNDERGROUND, and you get 10% off any and all merch. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing. Go get your merch. When you get it, tweet at us, tag us. We want to see where you're rocking your merch from across the world. Yes, sir. Dylan, episode six, technically. <laughs> uh, chapter 22. Spoiler. Christian's not here to say it. Yes, Spoiler. this is... This is your spoiler warning. <laughs> if you have not watched chapter 22 of The Mandalorian, stop this episode. Go and indulge yourself. And then come back and watch the episode. This has been your spoiler warning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> chapter 22, Guns for Hire, directed by the GOAT herself, Bryce Dallas Howard, written by John Favreau. Uh, 39 minute runtime might be the most filled with celebrity cameos episode of any of these Mando verse, like we like to call it, uh, shows might that be we have ever, ever gotten. Might be the most ever for Star Wars that you're seeing. There's always been cameos where people have like worn their Stormtrooper outfits or have done like voice work, being like Simon Pegg, Tom Hardy, Daniel Craig, etc. Um, but <laughs> to see to see who we saw, all three of them in 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 you know in the flesh, so to speak. Um, I can't think. Nothing else jumps up to my head where there was like that many. Like we, we we've had a guest appearance or two here or there, but not not three you know and i saw some people online complaining about the guests like the the celebrity cameos and stuff like that this dates back all the way to season one if i'm not mistaken of the mandalorian when our good friend amazing comedian himself bill burr shows up in yeah. the star wars universe that's what kick-started it all we got bill burr 
We had Danny Trejo in the Book of Boba Fett. We also had Thundercat in the Book of Boba Fett. We did have Thundercat. I forgot about that. And not only are the you know the three people we see in this episode are obviously big cameos. But there's big... also a couple others. Some recurring ones who we got. Uh, obviously, Casca Reeves, WWE superstar, yes, returning. We also got some voice cameos. So that opening scene, Dylan, before we get into everything fully, that opening scene with the Mon Calamari and the... Yeah, the one voice sounded familiar. You got to blow my mind. So the Mon Calamari, which is... Uh, Admiral Akbar, obviously, that's his species. It's a drop. Is voiced by Tom Holland's brother. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. And I want to pull this up because Eric Voss uh, talked about this in his breakdown on it's, YouTube. It's pretty interesting. So it's very funny, too, um, the way that it's broken down. Um,. So it is Tom Holland's brother. I believe his name is Harry. Um, oh, wait, different Harry? No, okay. <laughs> and then I'm just going to. Harry. Yeah, they, so Kyle has even proven that there's even more guest appearances. I do understand both sides of it off camera uh, and now, obviously, on camera. I'm telling you that. I'm mixed about it because I think cameos are good, um, but I think the less forced they are, the better. And I think when there's so many, it kind of comes off as force. Just and I'm not knocking them because, um, and I don't want to steal Kyle's thunder, but he said it best um, because two of the characters are like together or paired, and that kind of makes it feel weird. To me, just when there's too many cameos, it makes the episode or show or movie, whatever commercial, even makes it feel cheesy and that's not to say it's a bad thing like sometimes cheesy is good right it has like a nostalgia and some things are meant to be like cheesier than, than others but like the mandalorian undertone is supposed to be a more serious show as, as funny as that sounds you know like a guy guarding a child um I, there, but there are going to be some episodes that are like less or more serious than others it's just I feel like it was one, maybe too many cameos. Like, I feel like I said to Kyle, I feel like Lizzo's, I'm assuming it's her first acting debut, or at least first, definitely Star, Star Wars debut. She did good. I feel like she, if she starts acting, I feel like she'd be probably more like, like acting like how she did, like a more comedic kind of actor, or like, a, you know what I mean? Like maybe like rom-com territory. Jack Black is Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into both of them. The, uh, the other actress that I was talking about was Christine Adams, um, right. who you may know from uh, Black Lightning. You may know from Batman Begins. You may know from Tron Legacy. Uh, the weird part about that whole dynamic, though, Dylan, obviously it's voice acting. It's whatever. Christine Adams is 48 years old. Harry Holland is 24. It's like reverse Leonardo DiCaprio, like dream come true. <laughs> That's true. I was stalling by just rambling about the other cameos while you were Googling that, but I'm happy you did because that's freaking wild. <laughs> uh, so yeah, big cameo episode. I saw a lot of people complaining about it. The, the thing I have to take away before we dive into the breakdown of the episode, the cameos you see from a lot of these celebrities, 
they are huge Star Wars fans. It's not like they're just going out and casting these people just to cast them. They're not just trying to get a check as well. Right. And and it's not like and Christian brought this up too when I when I mentioned who cameoed in this episode. He said it's very different from and although you and I both enjoyed her appearance in She-Hulk, it's very different from Megan the Stallion playing Megan the Stallion in She-Hulk than Lizzo and Jack Black and Christopher Lloyd coming in and playing actual characters in the Star Wars universe. You're giving them a backstory. You're giving them something to build upon and be creative with. And that's why I appreciate this greater Mandoverse of Star Wars allowing celebrity cameos to happen for these yeah. minor roles because more often than not, we're never going to see these characters again. And it's just a fun little tease with a massive Star Wars fan to live out a dream. You know, it's very similar. It, this even kind of dates back to the sequel movies when Daniel Craig <laughs> was a stormtrooper. Yes, that's true. So we'll talk about all of the, uh, the cameos as they pop up, but here is your chapter 22 breakdown. Yeah. Uh, Bo-Katan, Mando, and Grogu set out for the idyllic planet Plazier 15, which Dylan, I don't know about you, kind of looked a lot like Epcot. <laughs> yeah, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> it did look. Kind of like, looked like Walt Disney's Utopia in the 1970s. We have Star That's ironic. We have Star Wars Epcot now. Uh, so where Bo-Katan's former army, now led by Axe Woves, uh, who we saw with Bo-Katan and, um, her crew on chapter, I think it was 11 of season two. Um, so then they've set themselves up as mercenaries and before they can meet them, they are involuntarily diverted by the planet's rulers. Captain Bombardier... Yeah, and the Duchess, played by Jack Black and Lizzo. Now, Dylan, I want to get your thought here. What was your initial just, like, visual reaction to seeing Jack Black and Lizzo in a Star Wars property? I was like... What? <laughs> like, I was like... It was a pleasant surprise because I never thought I'd see Jack Black and or Lizzo in a Star Wars entity. Um, I know Jack Black like does gaming and he's like nerdy now. Like not now, he's been nerdy. Um, didn't know Lizzo was nerdy. That's cool. Yeah, Lizzo like... tweeted out a photo today uh, that it was like a dream come true, and like her dad was the person who got her into Star Wars, and there was a photo of younger her just surrounded by a whole bunch of, like, Yoda and Grogu, like, plushies and toys and everything. And then she was like, this is how it started, and this is how it's going. It was her on set with the actual Grogu. Um, so that was pretty cool. And it was like she said she wished her dad could have been here to see this because he's the one that, like, got her into her Star Wars fandom and everything. And you, you appreciate that kind of stuff when celebrities that you don't know this side of them they kind of feel comfortable being vulnerable and sharing like those stories and and letting their inner nerd shine which i really appreciate yeah it's always cool to learn someone else uh like star wars and i appreciate that of her and for her for sharing that 
didn't expect them to be in it at the same time, more or less a couple. That was kind of, that's the part I just don't like. And that's not even to say, like, I like them as a couple. I think it was cool. I just don't like the fact of, like, having two actors make their cameos as a couple, like, on the screen, I guess, at the same time. Not the same time. I think you get what I'm trying to say. Like, it's almost like stealing each other's thunder. Because Jack Black is this comedic genius. I think he's an underrated actor. And like I said before, when you were trying to look up the voice actor of the two people on the ship, Lizzo, this is her first, like, acting debut, or, like, one of her first acting debuts. And she had more than more than one line. She had several lines. Quite, you know, she had a decent amount of lines. Um, so I almost wish... Uh, no knock against Jack Black. I almost wish he like was more in the background or like mm-hmm. had his scenes, so they didn't kind of you know what I mean. Didn't. Yeah, the I do want to rewind a little bit back to the ship with the Mon Calamari and everything. Uh, Eric Voss pointed this out as well in his uh, Easter egg breakdown. The part where the one the captain that's in like the the water and everything, when she goes to eat that fish. The noise that it makes is the spinning noise that happens uh, when you break through like crates when you're underwater and Crash Bandicoot. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and then you know, I think that whole scene was kind of the. I mean, if you have watched Clone Wars like Dylan and I have, when you see that scene happening, you almost get a sense of how this episode's gonna go. Now, I know yeah. a lot of our listeners may have not seen The Clone Wars. You know, oh, that's a cartoon. You know, I'm not going to watch a cartoon. One, Dylan and I both highly recommend watching it because is it necessary viewing? Not exactly, but it enhances your your viewing and your appreciation of everything that has happened so far in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Because there is so much backstory of so many characters and just like creeds and and you know, everything like that in the live action show because season four of, of clone wars, you just see the all out war of the Mon Calamari and the other, uh, sea creature race kind of just going at it. Um, where you see that they're separatists and the Mon Calamari are able to fend them off and everything. So to see them like getting along, it's like, Oh, Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I thought that was an interesting, entryway into kind of how the episode was going to unfold this was an episode that if you have not seen the clone wars animated series you're not going to enjoy it as much i would say but if you have seen the clone wars you kind of know where this episode was it was kind of your adventure of the week where your main characters are going on this side quest almost yeah and great way to put it not to say that i hated it which we'll get into our scores later on, but it was almost too Clone Wars-y in the sense that the Clone Wars ran from, what, 2008 to 2019 with that little break hiatus in the middle between uh, Disney Plus getting it back from Cartoon Network and everything. Yeah, there was a little bit of a break. We were kids, effectively. You know, I watched it as an adult, but that show was effectively made for kids and made it a much more digestible product to consume where some of the stuff you're like, Oh, this is kitty. And then when you're watching it as an adult, it's like, Oh, this is pretty cool. And I can understand this better because I'm a little more mature. My brain works a little better. <laughs> um, I think with the Mandalorian though, it is a show that sure kids are watching it, but your core age demo is like, you're 24 to 
five. And we, for the most part, that age demo watched the Clone Wars as kids. Yeah. They grew up watching. You kind of need to progress your... Well, we grew up even watching... Remember the OG Clone Wars on Cartoon Network? Yeah. Yeah. So, but we were all... Yeah, we were conditioned to grow up both of them. Right. And you kind of, with the Mandalorian, you need to make it a little more, in in a sense, for lack of a better term, like a mature viewing when you do your character development and your plot progression and everything like that. And that's not to say I hated this episode because it was still a very solid episode for the season. I hated it. But if no. you're going to make it a Clone Wars like live action, essentially, you do need to keep it tailored to what your core demo audience is because those are the ones who are going to appreciate it the most. Uh, but I digress. I digress. That's a fair. No, that's a, that's a, that's a fair, very, very the, fair thing. The other thing that I took issue with with this episode is that we didn't see the entire... Like, Bo-Katan mentions it in almost like a throwaway line in episode one when she says, when I didn't come back with the Darksaber, everybody left. We didn't see what happened. And we still haven't seen what happened. Is that to say we won't see what happened in the next two episodes in like a flashback type of thing? No. Maybe. But that kind of was like, oh, we're we're missing a big like chunk of this plot here that has led Bo-Katan to be where she is, where this group of other Mandalorian who are being mercenaries have kind of come to be. I, I felt like that was just a big plot hole kind of missing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, they left, but you don't really know. You know what I mean? Like you don't was, know the why. Yeah. You just know they were like, ah, we're not following you anymore and vice versa. But we didn't really see, we heard like her opinion and view on it, but not really too in depth. And it'd be cool to see like what actually happened. Like Kyle was saying, um, so we get Captain Bombardier and the Duchess, like we mentioned. Dylan, did you notice that Jack Black's character had the uh, the pin that Dr. Yep. Pershing had? He's an ex-Imperial. Which was very interesting to uh, kind of have in the back of your head as you as you see this episode progress and where things go. It's like, oh, you were, you, Mr. Black, you were a little tenacious, if you will. Um <laughs> <laughs> It was. <laughs> so they ask for help in neutralizing several repurposed but malfunctioning Imperial and Separatist droids. Also, how hard did you like Leo DiCaprio meme when you saw the two uh, Imperial droids that were black that looked like C-3PO and R2-D2? I that, was, was that was a fun little Freaking moment. out. I, was like, I said, what? huh? I was like, well, I still think I saw R two D two in the in the in the yeah. droid there, but we'll get, like, I was like, what? I was like, huh? <laughs> what? Um. So after stopping a rogue droid, Bo-Katan and Mando follow its trail to the Resistor, a droid bar, and convince its bartender and clientele to help them. They find out that the droids were sabotaged through nano droids in the bar's maintenance fluid, uh, which were covertly imported by Commissioner. Hellgate, played by Commission. one and only Christopher Lloyd. Great Scott! <laughs> That's Kyle's not wrong. That's This is what he's, he's, he's preaching. What was your reaction to seeing Christopher Lloyd in Star Wars? See, that's when I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, We already had two people. I was like, you're, you're like Star- Stephen A. Smith. What the hell is going on? Stay How do you do that? I was like, stay off the weed. The no, spice, I- the spice. 
That's true. Yeah, it's spice. Um, no, I was like, I was just like visually confused, and then not in the bad way. I was just like, whoa! I was like, they are busting out all the stops. They are like really bringing out the cameos uh, of of other famous actors this episode. Yeah, um, I was like, at first, I didn't like really recognize him because obviously, like, our brains are like, oh, Christopher Lloyd has this crazy old man, like white slick back hair didn't really recognize him bald at first i was like this guy looks way too familiar for me to not know who he is and then obviously you watch the credits and you see it and it's like oh my god you're um, like <laughs> you're like great scott uh <laughs> uh so commissioner hellgate and he, you know when you hear his name is hellgate you know he's gonna be a bad dude like that's just like <laughs> here it is Here's the bad guy right in front of your face. Yeah. Which was very like, Clone Warsy. Yeah, exactly. It is very, it's a great way to put it. And it's just like, it's right in your face. And you just know, like, okay, they use three big name people for characters. We know that one of them is going to be bad. Like, why go through the trouble of bringing in three big name people? You know what I mean? And then his name's Hellgate. It was like, Hook, line, and sinker. It was like, this guy is going to be bad in some way, shape, or form. So a lot of people compare it to Law and & Order, and uh, a lot of people compare like the robots going bad to uh, iRobot. That was exactly like iRobot. <laughs> uh, so Commissioner Hellgate, he's the head of planetary security, um, and confronted, Hellgate reveals himself as a separatist before Bo-Katan knocks him out, and he is exiled. Here's the fun part of this episode in my opinion hellgate brings up count dooku that was who, the reference we've we had in a while that was like random but a good kind of random which is again like dave filoni and john favreau we've talked about this on and off pod we feel like they are trying to effectively use like the mando versus a reclamation project for everything that happened in the sequel movies and then try to right some of the wrongs in the live action space from the prequels literally retconning in their own way everything but like also try to make certain things uh like make sense like they've hinted at cloning more this season so i think they're we talked about it they're trying to like make the snoke and Palpatine like whole clone theory mm -hmm. more relevant they're exploring other things they're giving you examples of like how the empire still had power but didn't the New Republic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they are really just like letting you know, like, hey, we're gonna fix things. We're gonna make it okay. Yeah. So Count Dooku being brought up is interesting because he plays a, a pivotal part in the Clone Wars animated show, uh, and in the animated uh, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi series that I've heard, Dylan, it's kind of like good to watch i have i wanted to watch that i just honestly there's a whole dooku episode apparently that like dictates and plots like him going from the good side of the force to the dark side oh i like that um and somebody also brought up the fact that um this was bryce dallas howard's way of continuing to get her character across the board because if you know Bryce Dallas Howard voiced Yaddle yes and Dooku kills Yaddle 
So that was her way of kind of like nodding to her yeah. character almost too. Um Grogu's mom. <laughs> the uh the Dooku oh, thing is very no interesting way. though. There's and no I know the way. It's <laughs> Do you think we'll get like more mentions of of that kind of era of stuff with Dooku and like him being a visionary and it's like what what do you mean by that? You know, it's it's as we progress towards like the first order and like everything like that, do you think there is kind of an influence from Dooku more so than Palpatine? Well, Dooku is an interesting um, like Jedi Sith to follow because he's not truly a Sith because there are ideals that he had that weren't of that of Palpatine's. That's why he looks so shocked when he gets betrayed, and he's different than I think. I think hint that or talk, talk about that in the Clone Wars a little bit. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, that's a good point. I don't know. I'm curious to see if it's going to be like a one-off kind of thing too. Like if we get more references in Star Wars, but like, you know what I mean? Like like mm-hmm. present stuff or if it's just that that's it. That was our breadcrumb. And now the only way to explore him is the show you were talking about. And then the, uh, the other fun cameo too, uh, the voice that comes over in the monorail. That is the, because I was like, that voice sounds very familiar. Did you feel the same way? I did, but I just thought maybe it was like a generic, like, watch the tram car voice, you know? I didn't know. It's the voice of Padme in the Clone Wars. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, they're pulling out all the Clone Wars stops in this episode. Uh, oh, my God. Um, So he gets exiled after he's, like, revealed to be a separatist. Um, right, and- <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Get him out. Uh, and granted, an audience... Uh, with the Mandalorian privateers, Bo-Katan challenges Axe Wolves for leadership and defeats him. To help her ascendance, Mando admits his capture by the cyborg in the minds of Mandalore and his rescue by Bo-Katan, which rightfully bestows the Darksaber back to her, which I never watched Rebels, but that feels very Rebels-esque when Bo-Katan was just given the Darksaber again. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this has happened twice to her now. Um, I like the fight scene between Axe Wolves and Bo-Katan. It's I thought cool, that was very baby. fun. Gizmos and gadgets. They're using jetpacks. They're using their like, grappling hooks. They're using flamethrower. They're using shields. They're using different kinds of knives. Which Bo-Katan's knife is ten times harder, ten times cooler. I like the fact that's like an Assassin Creed type blade. Awesome. Um, oh, thunder! Uh, it was awesome though. <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening and you happen to be in the same area as Kyle, now you know a terrible storm is happening right now. Uh. <laughs> Are you a fan of the Mandalorian using their flamethrowers as much as they have been recently? No. Agreed. I think it's like kind of iconic e. Um I also just feel like flamethrowers aren't really a practical weapon. Like real life yeah. has that. Like to go on a quick like 30 second little history thing. In World War II and other wars that flamethrower flamethrower troops were utilized. Like, there's a good chance, um, you know, if a bullet, like, hits the flamethrower tank, it explodes. So, I know Star Wars is different, but my point is, it's also a close quarter weapon. And I never feel, not that it's probably too dark for this show, but I never feel like we also see what a flamethrower would do. Like, they fire it, and people, like, wave it off, or they just get a little, like, no, this is, like, like a, a little napalm, like, Vietnam, like, simulator, like, device, like... If I shot Kyle with it, we were fighting in Star Wars. He would literally burn. You know what I mean? Like it's not just like a ah. Uh, it has to be done right. So I think yeah. Kyle 
It has to be like a more devastating weapon. As terrible as that sounds, it has to be like, like it's it's a cool like addition to the Mandalorian armor. I just feel yeah. like they've overused it. Yeah, you literally just utilize the fact that your armor can reflect bullets, and then also use like the um the thun- what were those things called the with the the things that Pedro the whistling arrows. Yeah, whatever they're called, they had like a name. But yeah, those things were awesome, dude. Use that, or use like wrist rockets, or use the grappling. The knee rockets. Knee rockets as well, or you should use your pistols. I love, I love me a good space western. Yeah, I feel like the flamethrower has just been overutilized. Not that I hate it, but don't use it as much. Don't make it your go-to. Can't be your go-to weapon as a Mandalorian. Um, I think it is for some. <laughs> the uh, the bestowing of the dark saber, though. Bo-Katan's now in control of it. She's kind of back in uh, a position of power. How do you see this progressing now that, you know, her and the armor are like this They are last best- week's episode? They're besties, and it seems like Bo-Katan's now got her own army. Do you think she's going to betray the armorer and those two just duke it out for pure Mandalorian supremacy? I, I think she's going to betray her, but not... And yes, I kind of agree with you, but I don't think it's going to be like an open betrayal in terms of like, I just think she's going to want to restore Mandalore and then be like the ruler of everyone. So like that is betraying her, but like, I don't, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think Mm -hmm. she's going to come back like right away and be like, this forge is mine now. (laughs) Like, I think she's just going to come back and be like, look, I recruited more. And they're going to be like, oh my God, bestie, you're awesome. And she'll be like, I know. But then like, have that like look at the camera like we know some shit's about to go down and then she's just gonna be like everyone follow me i am the you know whatever the guide of two worlds kind of thing um and i just think she'll end up being the de facto ruler you're right though she probably has to fight for that i imagine i don't think she's gonna get handed that but who knows maybe the armor just literally goes you know what I mean? Like you're number one now because give me give me the armor with those hammers going toe to toe with the dark saber. That would be sweet. That would be sweet, and the hammers are best far, right? So they'd be able yeah. to deflect it. That would be fun. Um, a lot of people, since Rick Famuyiwa is directing the final two episodes of this season, Dylan. A lot of people are getting ready. They're putting on their seatbelts and keeping their hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times until the ride comes to a complete stop. As you should. There's been a lot of morsels thrown out in this season. Clone Wars, Rebels. Obviously, last season we got, a, we got a big name drop. Do we see Thrawn in the final two episodes? I think so. Uh, I think you might not see him directly. I think it also might be like a side profile or in the shadows kind of thing, or maybe like a ship in the distance. I don't know if it'll be a direct cameo. Um, they did give us some crazy breadcrumbs though. Um, so yeah, I think they do. I'm just not sure if it'll be like an open, like, you know, like five minute scene where he's like talking, being a villain. I think it might just be like very brief and a little snippet or like, you know, he's, his ship rolls up at the last second kind of thing. You know what I mean? Some, some, mm-hmm. I feel like it's gonna be like a Thanos uh, post-credit scene from one of the Avengers movies, where like it zooms in on Thrawn's face, because Thrawn's gonna be a big part of the Ahsoka series. Let's let's not get that twisted. But the events of Mando and everything are going to lead into Ahsoka 
because she is part of this greater Mandoverse. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like it zooms in on the ship and we just see a face. We finally get the actor reveal, potentially, mm-hmm. if we can recognize him. I also think Thrawn is to the Star Wars universe as Mephisto is to the MCU for us. <laughs> True. <laughs> no lie. <laughs> um, overall, I think this is another you know classic Bryce Dallas Howard episode of The Mandalorian. I thought they did a really good job with it. I thought the... The plot progressed perfectly. You know, it was, it was a side quest episode. A little weird for it to be this late in the season, but nonetheless, I thought it was a really well thought out episode. Um, you got your fun cameos and everything, and I thought everybody involved from Christopher Lloyd to Jack Black and uh, Lizzo did a phenomenal job um, in their roles. And that's the thing, too. You know, it's like they they are able to encapsulate this character and you're not distracted truly by the fact of who the actor is mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe when they do it because they are portraying this character so well. Um, but Dylan, as we always do, we uh, we take a look at the old Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, sir. And uh, this episode, based on reviews from 15 critics... Has an average rating of eight out of ten, and a score of ninety-three percent. And like we mentioned, this is an episode that if you have watched the Clone Wars, if you've watched Rebels, you'll appreciate it a lot more because you kind of know the direction that the episode is taking you. Mm-hmm. But if you're new to Star Wars, if you're just watching The Mandalorian, because I know people who are watching Mando that didn't even watch the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, and it's like it's like Same. pal. You kind of got to watch that one. <laughs> there's, there's some important breadcrumbs in there. Um, but if you haven't watched anything else Star Wars-wise, you're not truly going to understand why this episode is the way that it is. And I think you agree with me on that from both yeah. of us having watched Clone Wars. There's definitely a lot of like interlinked, interworking aspects from several of the Star Wars entities or shows that you have to have a full understanding or a broad understanding for it all to click. I think if not, like Kyle is saying, things might still click for you, but it's not going to be as easy to come by as if you've watched the other shows, just because you'd have no idea who the characters were. Like if you have, if you don't know Clone Wars or Rebels, you wouldn't know what some of the characters like Thrawn, what it would even look like or be like, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to know that he's a, bl- a man with a blue face, yeah. <laughs> but, you don't even know Bo-Katan's backstory if... Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so that brings us to our scores, Dylan. Chapter 22, Hire, uh, Guns for Hire, Episode 6 of Season 3 of The Mandalorian. It did have a runtime of 39 minutes, by the way, which I think was the longest of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Dylan, your score. You might be, like, surprised. Uh, I, I don't know, like... I wanted to give it a good score, but there was a couple takeaways. Not, not, not a bad score, but there's a couple takeaways that I just didn't didn't like. Um, so I'm gonna have to go. I think it's my lowest score, or like one of the lowest scores. I'm gonna have to go with a seven point five for me, just because the whole cameo aspect. I like it, but I just feel like it was a little too much. I'm not mad with the cameos. I appreciate having actual Star Wars fans. I just feel like it's a little too much. And also, like Kyle said, 
It's a side quest. And for the Clone Wars series, I'm treating it like that as well. Some of the side quest episodes I didn't really enjoy or they're kind of skippable because they have no real plot. Not knocking them, just saying. So I think 7.5 is, for me, where I'm at. Yeah, I'm going to give it an 8.4 for a couple reasons. Like you mentioned, the cameos, say what you want about them. I think each actor did a great job with the role Mm -hmm. that they were given. Um, And they didn't take away, like they didn't over spotlight themselves, if that makes sense. You know, you have somebody as big and A-list, you know, almost S-list, you could you could argue as Lizzo, who has been in the public spotlight for many years now and is super talented. You have Jack Black, who is just an icon and generation like spans generations now. And then you have Christopher Lloyd, who is just an all time goat. I don't think either of those three, though, in the roles that they were given oversaturated the spotlight to have the episode focus too much on them which i thought was like that's tough to do when you have three big names like that it's tough to pull off so good job by them and good job by uh bryce dallas howard and john favreau uh to make sure that that didn't happen um it was a side quest this late in season which is a little strange um not for a blockbuster last yeah so it's leaving like a lot of questions going into these final two episodes that we have um, so we'll see how that all plays out in the grand scheme of what's going to happen next. Um, and then Bo-Katan's now, you know, leading her own little infantry uh, of Mandalorian uh, and has the Darksaber. Does she turn on Din? You know, there, there's a lot of questions to still be answered in two episodes. And uh, it leaves you like very bamboozled, led astray, run amok. Not flat out deceived, but it has you questioning a lot of things of what could happen. Um, but overall, it was a, it was an enjoyable episode. And if you like, we've said time and time again, if you've watched the Clone Wars, you'll enjoy it that much more because you'll understand the premise. Facts. Which uh, the quick math at home, Dylan makes this episode a seven point nine five, which in our math books rounds up to a flat eight for Chapter Twenty Two: Guns for Hire. <laughs> Fair. Super fair. I mean, it was a solid episode, uh, which we'll be right back. Christian and I are going to break down the final two episodes of Poker Face, so don't go anywhere. And then Dylan's going to hop back in, and we're going to talk about all the juicy, lovely, <coughs> yummy news across the streaming platform multiverse. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> And we're back with our Poker Face 2 episode finale. It's time. It's brought to you by our amazing pals over at Dubby Energy, who have been keeping us energized since the jump. And they've got some big things planned this month of April, as it is their two-year anniversary of being a company and doing the damn thing. Uh, You guys are probably wondering... You know, at this point, if you're new to the show and don't know why we're getting down with Dubby, it's because they formulated it was formulated to give you focus and energy with no jitters or crash. And their formula contains vitamins, amino acids and nootropics, including the patented neurofactor, which has helped and been clinically proven to help improve brain performance by up to one hundred and forty three percent. Dubby contains no calories, no sugar, no maltodextrin fillers, no artificial colors. 
and they just released a brand new shaker that once it's gone it's gone but it is their first of season two their new anime shaker for all you anime heads out there go check that out plus they got the new green dubby shaker version one and they've also got desk mouse pads available which look super clean super fresh one is a black camo design the other is kind of like a cherry blossom looking skyline design uh and their flavors are delicious from the galaxy grenade which is watermelon guava and lime to the beach and peach white peach mango cooler to the big energy tears because you know they're going to war on big energy your blue raspberry flavor absolutely delicious go to w.gg and use code underground you get 10 percent off any order it's an effective way to support us directly so go to w.gg clean up your energy game use code underground for 10 percent off your order christian poker face our finale has finally arrived we're gonna do episodes 9 and 10 so i think for the people hit them with that patented spoiler warning <coughs> ladies and gentlemen this is your patented spoiler warning if you haven't watched if you I can't do it anymore. If you <laughs> haven't watched Hold on, let me let me uh, let me try and hit Ron uh Ron uh Ron Parliament voice. Uh, if you haven't watched no, I can't do Ron Parliament. <laughs> if you haven't watched this past week's episode, well not this past week's at this point, but if you haven't watched the last two episodes of Poker Face, please pause this podcast. And return after watching the last two episodes. In that time, you will now be informed about the episodes and you will be enjoying this conversation much more. This has been your friendly neighborhood spoiler warning. Beep. Boom. Uh, so episode nine, which debuted about a month ago, March 2nd of 2023, uh, titled Escape from Shit Mountain. Uh this one, Ryan Johnson, back in the director's chair. Guest appearances from one of my favorites, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, we have David Castaneda. Stephanie Sue is one of the funniest names of a TV character ever. Mortimer Bernstein. Uh, and then Benjamin Bratt, also in this episode. Which which uh, I, I, I think it should be noted, Ryan Johnson, regular Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's pretty much been in every film including the Knives Out films in ways you wouldn't know. Uh, famously, uh, in the first Knives Out film, do uh, you've seen the first Knives Out film, right? Mm -hmm. It's been a while, but I have seen it. Yeah. Remember how Marta is watching a like murder mystery thing early on? No, sorry, Marta's sister. Mm -hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the male voice in that. And then in Glass Onion, he's the one doing dong. So if 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 it's a Ryan Johnson project, no matter how big or small, you will get your Joseph Gordon-Levitt fix even if you don't know it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, also famously the Robin that never was. <laughs> I really uh, wish we could have seen something there. I really yeah. wish. That is one of the biggest what-ifs, I think, of uh, the superhero movie scape. Well, but, well that, 
that and not to be too, but like grim here, but what DC could have been if Zack Snyder did not leave because of his family tragedy because they got basically because excluding Man of Steel because there was like a three year gap in two or three year gap in between that and everything else but there was like three years of films there and then it flatlined (laughs) and now James Gunn's here so it's 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 quite we could do a whole podcast on what are some of the greatest what ifs in comic book movies, et cetera, and all that. So we'll I'll put a cap in that. Episode nine. Here we go. Former trader, Trey Nelson, played by Joseph Gordon Levitt, uh, follows the same routine every day since being placed under house arrest for insider trading. One night, he is warned by his parole officer that due to a blizzard, his ankle monitor will be shut down for the night and that he will check on him the following morning. Seizing the opportunity, he leaves his house to recklessly drive his Lamborghini, baby. If you don't have a Lamborghini by age 28, what are you doing? It's $200,000. So easy to come by. Like, if you don't have a Lamborghini, Christian, you need to reevaluate your life. Have, have you stumbled upon those uh, finance bro videos? Come on, bro. Just, just, just make the money, man. There's Crypto. so much money out there to attain. Like, just, just go do it. <laughs> Hold on, let me, let me, uh, let, let me borrow a few thousand dollars from my rich father to get it started first. Yeah, and that's how I did this. <laughs> Uh, so after nearly hitting a deer, he accidentally hits a woman and he places the woman in his trunk and drives to a motel owned by his friend, Jimmy Silva, played by David Castaneda. Uh, with Jimmy's reluctant help, he throws the woman's body in the spot, a hole under a tree in the nearby woods and back inside the motel. They discuss their tense history together over Trey's favorite brand of coconut rum until they hear someone aggressively knocking on the door. They open to find the still-alive woman who has dug her way out and crawled to the motel. And Jimmy prepares to shoot her until he notices a car approaching. And Trey hides the gun in his pocket and asks the driver who drives a a Blue Plymouth Barracuda. For help. A few months earlier, Charlie is driving her Plymouth Barracuda. Uh, to a national park in Colorado. She decides to settle in, quote, Magic Mountain, Charlie. <laughs> real real sicko YouTube kids understand that reference. Uh, after striking up a romance with a local man, by February, Charlie is alone again and trying to earn money to leave, quote, unquote, shit mountain. She catches a kleptomaniac shoplifter, played by Stephanie Sue, trying to steal her wallet, who goes by Mortimer Bernstein. The name on the stolen credit card that she carries. Morty uh, offers to pay the gas for Charlie's car in exchange for catching a ride with her. While driving, a deer steps in front of the car, causing Charlie to swerve off the road and get stuck. And distressful of her, uh, distrustful of her, she has Morty uh, return the gas 
to the gas station to ask for a low uh, tow truck while she remains in the car. The night falls and Morty uh, has yet to return. Charlie decides to get help by herself, but after a few steps out towards the road, she's hit by Trey's Lamborghini Mercy. Which, when, when, up, up to this point of the episode, great, great juxtaposition of how this entire series has gone, where, where, where it's Charlie rocking up to all of this. Instead, now she's the one getting rocked up on, <laughs> and it, it 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 was a very fun juxtaposition of having a dazed and slightly confused Char- Charlie breaking down this entire situation. Uh, so then Charlie wakes up under the tree's roots, and she gets herself out and manages to reach the motel's door, which she knocks on with a stick from the tree, but she briefly passes out due to exhaustion. And we have Morty arriving at the same time in Charlie's Barracuda, and Charlie wakes up with a broken leg, probed by Trey and Jimmy about what she remembers, but she fails to fully recollect. With the blizzard, they all find themselves unable to leave the motel or use the phone, and Morty picks up the stick and is horrified to discover that it's actually a bone uh inspecting it charlie and morty uh deduce that it possibly belongs to chloe jones a local young woman who went missing 10 years earlier and find that there is a seventy-five thousand dollar reward for any information charlie notices trey's ankle monitor and grows wary of the two men while morty is fixated on the prize money trey and jimmy who were the ones who actually hid chloe's body in the spot 10 years earlier argue over what to do with charlie and morty and jimmy who feels guilty since trey told him that chloe died after taking cocaine he sold uh to him back then wants things to go smoothly and for trey to pay them for their silence while trey wants to murder them murder uh morty claims that to leave uh sorry morty claims to leave uh, to retrieve things from the car, but actually goes to find the tree spot and takes photos of Chloe's remains. Trey arrives to kill her, but realizes she took his gun. Morty's got the gun. Uh, he offers her his Lamborghini in exchange for her silence. However, once he takes the driver's seat, uh, he smacks her head on the wheel. He retrieves the gun, erases the evidence from her phone, and sets the Lamborghini to drive off a cliff, killing her. Back at the cabin, Charlie and Jimmy bond over Jimmy's history with Chloe as he reveals that he was smitten with her while she was in a complicated relationship with Trey. He gives Charlie what he claims to be ibuprofen tablets, and when she goes to drink in Trey's cups, she recognizes the rum smell from when she was dragged into Trey's car trunk, and she connects the dots as she seemingly passes out from the drugs. Trey returns to reveal... Uh, that he killed Morty, angering Jimmy and culminating into an outdoor argument that about everything that happened since Chloe's death. Charlie, who faked taking the pills and spat them in the cup, tries to retrieve her car keys while overhearing the two. She's caught and cornered by Trey and Jimmy. Charlie tells Jimmy that Trey lied about Chloe's death and that he actually killed her all those years earlier. Trey tries to buy his way out, but Jimmy, convinced by Charlie's plea, refuses. He takes a knife, stands up for her, only to be shot in the head by Trey. Charlie retrieves Jimmy's knife, cuts Trey in the leg. Uh, he overpowers her and stabs her in the chest. And at that moment, I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> that was like one of the one of the moments in this series 
that really had you like stunned for a minute because it was like the true first like traumatic experience that Charlie had ever like kind of suffered full blown. Yeah, it was it was arguably like one of the most violent moments yeah. too in this entire series. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay, Peacock, I see you, I see you. Um so then he places the body of Charlie and Jimmy in the spot and leaves, not before unknowingly drinking the spiked rum. He returns home in Charlie's Barracuda, despite the drug's effect, in time to meet with his parole officer. However, he notices too late that his ankle monitor is missing. Charlie is revealed to be alive and to have taken the monitor when she cut him, clutching onto it while she was thrown in the hole. She wakes up in a hospital room where she sees the news report that the authorities arrested Trey and found the bodies identifying Morty as Charlie Kale since she took her wallet. And Charlie sees a Jane Doe tag on her wrist and bursts out laughing, elated to find the world thinks she is dead. However, in the hospital parking lot, Cliff, Benjamin Bratt, uh, is seen talking with Sterling Frost Sr. on the phone, ready to ambush Charlie. And that is Shit Mountain. I really like this episode. I think yeah. this is one of my favorite. I... It's... I would say... It's probably top four because I... Mm -hmm. I think the three best ones are... I think it's the third one with uh, Lil Rel. Yeah. Uh, and then these last three. Yeah. Last uh, episodes eight, nine, and ten, and 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 I'm sure at the end of this pornography section we'll rank our top three or what or whatever and all that. But yeah, it was it was. I, I like this a lot, and I already said this because they do the juxtaposition of this whole time. We get Charlie coming up. Charlie coming up on these situations and the entire first half of, the, of this episode's almost a bait and switch of how oh the Steph, Steph, uh, Stephanie Sue's going to get hit and Char Charlie will have to figure out like huh you were lying about something and all that but no it's the inverse where Stephanie Sue's basically saving her and they are D digging up past trauma which is very compelling uh shout out to uh diego from umbrella academy in this episode it was it, it was a fun juxtaposition juxtaposition from his umbrella academy character who's generally like cocky and like kind of macho whereas here he's much more subdued internal and yeah i i i enjoyed it a lot like i feel like this episode had kind of the total package that you'd want from a show like this where it had the thrill and suspense of kind of just the back and forth between your quote-unquote villains and charlie um it had you on the edge of your seat, like we mentioned earlier, with Charlie getting stabbed and the violence aspect there. It had your comedy aspect with, with Mortimer Bernstein, um, which was just very funny. The wallet bit was hilarious. Um, and, you know, it ended up culminating in leading into kind of your, your telltale of 
the beginning of this season where you're finally going to get that payoff from everything that happened in episode one. It brought you back to that storyline as well. Um, and I just really love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's, he's that dude. Um, very fun episode. I enjoyed it a lot. I definitely agree. I think it's in the top four hands down. Um, and the critical reception, it received critical acclaim. Our, our hopeful friend of the program sooner rather than later, Solani Gajar of the AV Club, gave this episode an A- uh, and wrote, For a penultimate hour, I'm thrilled we finally see a more profound payoff for her year on the road and a glimpse of her backstory. Johnson is saving more details about Charlie's history for season two, but we forgive him because he helms a fantastic episode this week with Escape from Shit Mountain. It features Leon's best poker face performance to date, answer some burning questions and of course welcome uh new exciting guest stars a poker face trademark at this point much like its inspiration columbo was it really a, a year on the road or as we'll see was it more mm. or was it um mm. yeah i really enjoyed this episode i thought it was like the casting for this episode was flawless not that every other episode wasn't, but like I really enjoyed like the way that these actors like really worked well together. Yeah. Um, so, Christian, your score for episode nine of Poker Face Escape from Shit Mountain is. Do you have the list of what we've ranked them? Uh, not yet. I will okay. compile that because but... I I want to put this on a similar level to what I did episode three, but I don't remember what I did episode. Three, I'm pretty sure you had at a at a nine, if I remember correctly, or somewhere I, I, around there. I think I did like eight seven because I did nine last week. So let's just say like eight five, eight five, sure there. Uh, so yeah, eight five. I'm gonna give this one uh an eight nine. I really like this one a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, had some awesome components to it and. You do the quick math at home, 17.4 divided by 2 is 8.7. Another solid episode in the book for Poker Face Episode 9. Which, before we get to Episode 10, make sure, you guys, make sure you guys get your merch. PHI Apparel Company is the place to get that merch. Uh, we've had streamer season merch getting ordered recently. Uh, it's, the best, it's, the best, it's the best hoodie that we sell, in my opinion. It's one of the coolest looking hoodies. Uh, it stands out just like all of the unique designs and high quality clothing that PHI Apparel Company has to offer for the great fans of streamer season and our Philadelphia fans as well. Uh, because with their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. And Christian, you know, it's, we're, we're slowly approaching that big movie season at the theater where it's going to be banger after banger after banger. And you know what I'm going to be wearing to the movie theater? My streamer season hoodie because it and is the best hoodie to wear to the movie theater to be comfy while you're sitting and watching your favorite movies. It's the best hoodie to wear when you're Netflix and chilling, when you're watching your favorite shows from home. Go get your streamer season merch. We're working on some new merch for the podcast as well uh, that will hopefully be up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but you guys can go to phiapparel.co and use our promo code UNDERGROUND at checkout for 10% off any apparel. When you shop online at phiapparel.co, make sure you use that promo code underground so they know you're coming from us. phiapparel.co, code underground, 10% off your order. 
Christian, the finale of Poker Face. Boom, boom, boom. It has been a fun ride. We will also be giving our overall show score at the end of this, along with the episode score. So stay tuned for that as we add another show to the the docket for 2023. Um, I also do want to point out that it is quite funny not funny but it makes sense that they're doing it uh but i just want to say we did it first uh new rock stars is going on their deep dive easter egg breakdown of every episode of daredevil uh we did it last year uh i felt very accomplished that we were ahead of new rock stars on something <laughs> Woohoo! shout out to new rock stars though they do phenomenal work and help us with this show a ton and inspire a lot of stuff that we're able to uh accomplish so shout out to them but uh let's get into the finale of season one of poker face titled the hook originally released on march 9th 2023 ryan johnson back in the director chair for this one as well uh christian do, we, do does episode 10 also get a spoiler warning or has it been covered for This is your quick, this is your quick, quick, quick spoiler warning. If you've somehow skipped through the first episode, well, the first episode on the podcast, now pause this podcast once again. Go watch episode 10. Come back. Enjoy our conversation. All right, Kyle, let's go. Here we go. Poker Face, The Hook, episode 10, the finale, starring Ron Perlman as Sterling Frost Sr., Simon Helberg, Clea Duval, Benjamin Bratt, Rhea Perlman, voice only, Stephanie Sue, and of course, Natasha Leone. At the coroner's office in Laughlin, Sterling Frost Sr., Ron Perlman, uh, has just seen the corpse of his son. He calls Charlie, uh, informing her that he will use all he has to track her down, going full Liam Neeson taken mode. He then assigns Cliff, Benjamin Bratt, to find her, telling him that once he does, he must call him to ask, quote, how deep to dig the hole. Despite his best efforts, Cliff repeatedly falls, uh, fails to catch Charlie over a year of pursuing her. He's finally notified of her location in Colorado. He instead finds the corpse of Mortimer Bernstein in the coroner's office, who was identified as Charlie in the crime scene. He is directed to a Jane Doe at the nearby hospital and, and informs Frost that he finally caught her. Unexpectedly, Frost tells him to wait until she recovers before taking her to him, frustrating Cliff. Two months later, Charlie is released from the hospital and is also informed that her bills have been paid by a private party. As she steps outside, she finds Cliff waiting for her, and despondently goes with him. Oh, During the road trip, he recites which, the song, which which I think we just have, which I think we just have to say in uh in, uh, in uh, say in uh, say in all of this, it is hilarious, absolutely hilarious how how this how this episode basically ends starts with with the other side of the phone call from from uh, from the end of episode one and then proceeds to be a montage of cliff being on the road for over a year <laughs> trying to track down charlie just him looking even more and more depressed as time goes by and uh there's a there's 
the the there's a great line. I think it's a Benjamin Benj, Benjamin Brat uh, Benjamin Brat is like you don't pay me to do this shit and 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 he's and he says something along he 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 said something he he said something along the lines of like well this is what. Well, well, this is your job now, so you're telling me you're bad at your job. <laughs> it's like, well, I, I, I don't. You said it, not me. You So then, during the road trip, he recites the song "Hook" by Blues Traveler to annoy her, and she asks him if he he was the one uh, who killed her friend Natalie, and he silently confirms. He stops the car in a nearby school's parking lot, then tempts her to taking a revolver in his glove box, but she refuses to shoot. And he takes the gun from her, and then Cliff drives her to Atlantic City, uh, where she money, needs... money, 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 money. Here comes the money. Here we go, money talks. <laughs> where she meets Frost at a casino hotel, she is surprised to find that Frost changed his mind over the past year, and that he does not blame her for his son's death anymore. He reveals why he eventually had Cliff looking for her. Since he wiretapped all his casinos, he recorded a conversation his son had with Beatrix Hasp, Frost rival, and uh, the owner of the casino they are currently in. His son planned to make a business with Hasp, the Hasp family, uh, which is part of the five families, despite being forbidden by Frost. Frost came to the to uh, the casino for a meeting and offers Charlie five hundred thousand dollars and her freedom. If she sits with him during the meeting to detect any possible lie, Charlie is delighted to be given a new lease on life, and Frost compliments the gesture with a gift. Uh, they are both surprised, however, when Charlie pulls a revolver from the box. At the moment she does so, the lights go out, and Frost is shot dead. Charlie Bang. drops the gun and flees the scene while Cliff calls for security. QAJR, bang, bang, bang. Here we go. Uh,. In a flashback from months earlier, it is revealed that Cliff's patience and his loyalty towards Frost had run out during his year-long chase of Charlie. Uh, and uh, excuse me, words. Uh, and he entered in a contact in a contract with Beatrix Hasp to kill Frost. To Cliff's delight, they plan to use Charlie as a scapegoat to find the involvement of the five families, which, if known, would threaten the delicate peace with the other crime syndicates. He retrieved the revolver Charlie touched from his car and replaced the content of Frost's gift box, her old name tag, with a similar revolver. During their conversation at the casino, Cliff used a remote control to turn off the lights and killed Frost with the revolver covered with Charlie's fingerprints, which and, then swapped with the revolver Charlie dropped for the FBI to find. And notably, he uses a glow-in-the-dark poker chip. Ooh, kind of fire. Yeah. Kind of fire. Uh, hiding in the hotel, Charlie calls FBI agent Luca Clark, played by Simon Helberg, a.k.a. Harold Wallowitz. Howard. <laughs> Howard. Why are you with the FBI again? <laughs> uh, Clark has been assigned to lead the murder case, having been promoted after Charlie supplied him with the information regarding Kane. While he will not pursue her, he advises her to leave town. She manages to escape by joining a bachelorette's party bus. She reaches the house of her estranged sister, Emily, played by Clea Duvall, who is not delighted to see her. She gives Charlie the keys to their father's boat, 
And while she admits she knows her sister is a good person at heart, she also says she leaves no place for her and her niece to be a part of her life she chose for herself. Charlie is unable to use the boat due to a massive hole in it. And with no other option, she calls Cliff for help, unaware of his role in Frost's death. He tells her to meet him on his boat, where she plans to deliver her to the authorities. Uh, coincidentally, being not that far away, Charlie comes long before they arrive. She discusses possible scenarios with Cliff, who carefully avoids lying by indirectly answering her questions. As Cliff stalls her by pretending to start up the boat, Charlie finds blacklight reactive poker chips, which were used to mark Frost during the blackout. She instantly realizes what happened, just as police sirens are heard. She fights Cliff off, manages to hit him in the eye with a penis-shaped ring that she received from the bachelorette party. Uh, dare I say, Christian, that it was a cock ring. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Waka waka. Uh, and escapes by jumping into the water. Cliff, now blind in the left eye, uh, is met by an FBI team led by Luca who recovered Frost's incriminating tape where Sterling Jr. ordered Cliff to kill Natalie and her husband, and he is arrested. A while later, Luca drives Charlie's Plymouth Barracuda to a diner where they reunite. And with Cliff's testimony, Charlie's name has been cleared while the authorities look for Beatrix Hasp. He once again offers her a job at the FBI, but she declines, taking her Plymouth Barracuda and leaving Luca to settle the diner's bill. Once she leaves the diner, she is called by Beatrix Hasp, Rhea Perlman, uh, who wants revenge for Charlie ruining her plans, which ignited a war in the criminal underworld. She boom, offers boom, boom. her a deal. Charlie can work for the five families, or she will be hunted down. Charlie chooses the latter, destroys her phone, and she's ready to take on the road again. Can't wait and to get on the road again. On the road again. And that is the finale of Poker Face Season 1. Christian, your overall thoughts on this episode, on it being a finale, and how uh, Ryan Johnson and company were able to kind of put a bow on this season. I thought it I thought it was a very solid, very solid finale. Like it 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 didn't really, really overly pop in overly pop in any way for me, but I had a good time watching it and it was fun to see see Charlie get out bullshitted. Yeah. And her not really even knowing it. Yeah. Tons of fun. Ron Perlman was great. Um, just the, I think the fact that it had that payoff that you desperately wanted after seeing kind of the, the semblance of a plot being built in episode one, getting bits and pieces of it throughout the season, and then episodes nine and ten doing a great job of encapsulating it and bringing it all back together from where you were square one in episode one was a, a brilliant job. Um, and then it leaves you ready to rock and roll and get on the road again for season two. So I think it was a, a really well done finale. It was, it was also a nice way to, because, because once it was what episode four, where she was in the retirement home, or was that five? Uh, one of those two. Yeah. It was either four or five. Either way, after Simon Helberg basically gave her the get out of jail free card, we were in a perpetual state of okay one okay one okay one okay one and so it it made him finally showing up and be like aha i'm like okay fun yeah and like finally seeing the 
just the overall landscape put together once you watch all 10 episodes and seeing, you know, that you can kind of view this in a perspective of all this is happening while Cliff is on the road. And like, it's, it's like two plots happening at the same time, except you're not really privy to how long everything is in between until episode nine, obviously. And then into episode 10, um, just a brilliant job by, by the writers. So of course we have to we have to see what our girl Solani Gajar uh, from the AV Club gave this one. She gave it an A minus grade and wrote, for the most part, Ryan Johnson's Peacock drama has evolved into a crackerjack hit centered around Charlie's lie sniffing gimmick. The show has delivered thrilling murder mysteries, fascinating characters played by notable stars, and the slowest of slow reveals about Charlie's history. The first season wraps on a high note by finally pulling on that last thread of introducing Charlie's estranged sister, Emily, played by Clea Duvall. It's a proper B.I.A.C. reunion. Uh, the But I'm a Cheerleader from 1999, American teen romantic comedy film. Um, I thought it was a job well done. Um, before we get into our scores for episode 10 and the season as a whole i don't know if we've gotten any confirmations yet or any uh, there there was a season two well i I know there's a season two i don't know if we've gotten any confirmations of who will be cast yet um (laughs) you don't say (laughs) yeah you know um uh but i am going to make a list here of people we of people we'd want to see. We're gonna do. Uh, hey, hold on, give me a minute. I I I have pulled my letter boxed. <laughs> do we want to do a like a top four? <laughs> uh, mm, sure. Do you want to just do five? Do five. <laughs> okay. Uh, if this will load for me, please. <laughs> okay, letterboxed. What, what people from movies that I like uh, do I want to see in this? Um, well, that 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 aren't too big of stars because they have to actually be in this. Um, hmm. Who would be a fun bit part? So I'm 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 just going to name five names. I don't have an order in my head at all. <laughs> yeah, this is all for everybody home. This is all no order. This is just our like a wish list almost of top five people we want to see in Poker Face season two. You know what? I'm just going to say it, even though I, I know it's impossible. What? You know what? Actually, no. I'm still going to say it, and anyway. The impossible one that I wish we would get, Daniel Kaluuya. Mm, that's a great one. That's not a great happen. one. It's not going to happen. But gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, I love that. That would be awesome. Um, I'm gonna go with my my one here. This is a because it's Knives Out. Uh, collectively. And she's kind of had this, you know, 
burst back onto the scene, finally got that prestigious Oscar. Give me Jamie Lee Curtis. She, Jamie Lee Curtis would be great in this show. She would be fun. Um, do you want to go with her? Uh, okay. Do, do, hmm. I don't know. God, there's there's so many actors that 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 that's like hmm. Okay, well I'll I'll give you one I don't want. Tom Holland, stay the fuck away. <laughs> okay. Um. In actuality, like I want to name some British a- actresses, and I kind of did with Kaluuya. But the problem is, I I don't think that 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 many foreign a- a- actors do the, do stuff like this. Um, Will Smith, you know, no, uh, Christ, this is hard. Um. Because it, because the, there's really two type of people. If 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 you look at the people in uh, in the show who are cast in this film that uh, that are notable, uh, I I I either pop either popular slash upcoming actors playing uh playing uh, playing small uh, playing small parts. Or, 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 uh, or, or old records. On I just thought of one. Uh, actually, what should the dude spell name? Uh, uh, Arian Moyed. A R I A N M O A Y E D. He plays Stewie on Succession. He he's a lot of fun, and he and. And and I feel like you you have him kind of pop up oh, I... as, and you have him pop up as like the villain of one of the episodes, and it would be so much fun. I've seen this guy. Yeah, he'd be cool. He would be a lot of fun. Yeah, he's also for people who need more context on like maybe where you've seen him. He's also uh, the lead member of the DODC in the MCU uh, that you saw in Spider-Man and in Miss Marvel. Yeah, he, I think he was the one doing the interrogation of Ned yes. in No Way Home. Yeah. Uh, other things you may know him in, uh, he was in Inventing Anna, for those people who decide to watch that as well. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. He would be a lot of fun. Because he, all, he, he already has like that like scumbaggy villainy vibe to him yeah. and a lot of stuff you see him in. So yeah, I like that a yeah. lot. Uh, my next one that's probably improbable to match your Daniel Kaluuya, but another Knives Out tie-in kind of, and uh, I would love to see it. Give me Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> um, let's 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 quickly unpack how 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 uh. uh how including uh, how including Lil Rel, we've named the three 
principal b- blackmail actors from Get Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Need Let's it. Let's just think about that for a second. Give us the hat trick. <laughs> sure. Lakeith would be great in this too. In either a side character role or a villain role. Like I could see him in both and he would be phenomenal. So give me Lakeith Stanfield. I got a quick and simple one for 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 you. He's very picky with what he does now nowadays, but it could be so much fun. Michael Sarah. Mm. That yeah. could be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> that that could be so much fun. Uh I'm gonna give you another one that has kind of the Knives Out esque type of things. It's a movie we reviewed last year. Uh, and it's one of my favorite actors because uh, I think he's a lot of fun. I think he's very talented and kind of underappreciated. Uh, give me Aaron Taylor Johnson. I think he would be awesome in this show. I'm gonna name a combo for 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 my next one. And when I say them combined, you will understand why we, why we are counting them as one. I I I don't care if they do an entirely different show that that kind of has similar vibes. Ryan, please try and drag Steve Martin and Martin Short into this. <laughs> tell tell me that would not be an amazing episode. Tell me that would not be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That like, would be like, great. Again, that one, that one kind of hits on the probably won't happen scale. But like, can can we get one of them? Yeah, I like that. Can we get one of them? Uh, my next one is maybe an improbable one, but it kind of like sparked my brain a little bit when you went in your uh your out loud thinking of foreign actors. He's gonna be in uh, a Star Wars project, the Acolyte. As one of the main characters, you know him from Squid Game, Lee Jung Jae. I think he would be very fun in a show like this. And we get to kind of show off a different side of him that we don't really know of him yet uh, as the Western audience. Um, But I I could see him in this and being a lot of fun. All right, I'm trying to figure out a female one because I've named four male actors. <laughs> um, what do I want to do here? All right, let me let me let me do a quick little do a well. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna do six for for myself. So I'm gonna name you one more uh, one more actor, and then I'm gonna search up my. Uh, my female actor, Andre, uh, Andre Holland. You may know him from such things as uh, such things as High High Flying Bird, Moonlight, um, Selma, Passing, Bone Bones and All. He was in American Horror Story Roanoke. I'll go. I'll go pound for pound with you. I'll go six as well. Um, my next one, this is kind of in the ilk that we've kind of been revealed the five families. How fun would it be to see this person as one of the heads of the five families? 
Michael Shannon. I I I feel like that's that that's that's kind of just one of his stereotypes now. Beach between like Boardwalk Empire and uh, Bullet Train and all the stuff. It's like who do we want to play a gangster? Ah, Michael Shannon. Yep, sure. Yeah. Um. You know what? I I don't love that I'm putting out this one. But I feel like it could be fun. And given she has a long career in TV, I think she'd probably have fun doing it. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll give a pair so I, so I don't have to pick between them. Uh, Jodie, Jodie Comer, who's technically British, but she has a good, but she has a good accent. And then Elizabeth Moss, who people, and people may, uh, Pete. P people may know Elizabeth Moss as the primary char- character in primary character in uh, primary character in the in the Handmaid's Tale. She also play, plays Mar- Mar- Martin Short's starter in The West Wing. If uh, if you guys saw if, if you guys saw the Invisible Man remake from 2020, she's the star of that film. She pops up in the French Dispatch. She. She's in Next Goal Wins that that uh, comes out this this year. So yeah, she 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 would be fun. Yeah, we're just we're gonna rebrand anything we do. I think from here on out, uh, as the streamer seven. Any sure. top list, it's gonna be seven, so mm-hmm. everybody knows. Because uh, you've got your seven there. I'm going to give my six and seven, my number six on the list, just rattling them off. Uh, give me Finn Wolfhard. Obviously, famously known as Mike from Stranger Things, but now that he's a little bit older. I feel like he could be, you know, a lot of people talk about him getting into a lot of different projects now, and uh, I think he would be a lot of fun. And then my my ultimate hail mary, more 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 so or less to match her Daniel Kaluuya. But now she's doing some streaming platform projects. Give give me my queen Elizabeth Olsen. See one there there is one name I desperately wanted to say but I but I had to 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 stop myself because I was like would she actually do this though and it was Julia Roberts I'm like mm. I'm like that 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 could be really fun but I'm not convinced she would do it I had another one too Julia Louis Dreyfus that would be a lot of fun. That would be great. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Uh, so there's our streamer seven. Comment on YouTube who you want to see in Poker Face season two. Uh, but Christian, your overall score uh, for episode ten, and then your overall score for season one of Poker Face. Probably about and an eight for the finale big because there's other episodes I liked more but this was still like on the very solid level and it had a little more emotional depth to it in terms of the season there there wasn't much that was like truly exceptional 
but it's a refreshing take on a past popular TV show in, in, in a way. And it's just good popcorn weekly entertainment that we don't get as much nowadays. So, like, I don't know, 8.3? You know? Like, solid. I'm, I'm always going to watch it. I'm always happy to to have it around. It'll, it'll pop off on, like, two, three, four ep- ep- episodes. Otherwise, it's just good. Yeah. Uh, my episode 10 score... I'm going to give it an 8.4. Like you said, like it wasn't like the best episode, but it was still very solid. Can have the argument to have it in the top four uh, of the season and kind of puts that that perfect bow on, you know, a full 10 episode season that was Poker Face season one. Um, so 8.4, that's an 8.2 out of 10 for the finale. Not too shabby. Uh, and then I think for season one, I'm kind of right there. with. I'm going to give it an 8.5. It was it was really solid, really well written, really well done across the board. It's fun. Like Natasha Leone was so fun to just like week by week just follow along with her character and she made it her own. Like it it's one of those things where you like seeing an actor transform into that character and she really turns it on every single week, delivers week in and week out. The casting is just brilliant. And I think this is a an absolute blockbuster for uh, Peacock as a streaming platform as well. You know, it, it shows the the range that they have. They're not just you know, oh, we're the home of the Office. No, like they put out a a very solid product with this. I hope it continues to go for as long as Ryan Johnson wants to do it because I think it really does have staying power on that platform. And um, I think this is like. It's... It, it's a show that could just last for 15 years mm-hmm. and and no one would bat and no one would bat bat AI and now obviously uh probably wouldn't be Charlie for 15 years because I think Natasha Leon would would, would want to move on from at some point but like some version of poker face mm-hmm. just it's always good it's always good to have around. It is that type of show that, like, you can pluck Charlie away, put in a new character to kind of do the same type of thing, and it works. You just have to find the right person to be that Charlie character. Um, But it was super fun. Like, and like you said, they don't make stuff like this traditionally anymore. So it was it was fun to have that like change of pace, you know, nice little trick in the bag type of show that you enjoyed sitting down watching that that mystery of the week. And to see the the cast that they were able to wrangle for this was magnificent, and it's just another beautiful you know addition to Ryan Johnson's you know feathers in his cap. Um, so eight point five plus eight point three, quick math at home for the people. Poker Face gets an eight point four out of ten from us, and I think you know in the grand scheme of things, that's a pretty damn good score for for a show like this, and a pretty damn good score for for Peacock as a streaming platform. All right, and I think the last thing before we wrap up on this is rank your top three episodes. Um, I definitely think the Lil Rel episode is number one. Um, I think episode nine gets my number two slot. 
And then episode eight gets number three. For me, it's episode eight because I, I, I love everything about it all the way down to its Star Wars Phil Tippett ILM allegory. Lil Rel's in a very close second because that's just a very fun, fun episode. And then episode nine is probably in third for me. Yeah. Overall, awesome show. Highly recommend it. Definitely streamable. Definitely watchable. Definitely rewatchable in a lot of aspects. Um, looking forward to season two. So hats off to Natasha Leone, Ryan Johnson, and all of Poker Face. Uh, but stick around. We're going to get into the streaming platform Multiverse News and Notes. Everybody's favorite segment. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. So Christian and I had to talk. We finally got what well, we've been waiting for. Well, we it, it it's technically the second one, but sure. But we finally got more more morsels to to nibble on we got a secret invasion trailer we got a release date that was you know rumored to be the release date now it's confirmed six episodes the runtime chris i did uh, do some digging it's going to be hopefully this means without the credits 40 to 50 minute runtime per episode that hopefully is true secret I invasion baby i think i, I had this wait. on my top 10 or, or or no I no I I I think I had Loki but but I was still excited for Secret Invasion because it's very much in the vein of 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 shows and movies that 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 I like just looking at it things come to mind for me for for first of all the one I would say is if people want to search it out there's a Alan J cool movie called the called the parallax view where basically that that film is basically about uh, a senator is killed at the top of the space at, at the top of the at the top of the space needle during a celebration and a newspaper reporter starts digging and he uncovers what appears to be a secret organization of assassins And so it's just like that. You you mix in seven days of May and stuff, and it's just I'm, I'm all right. Sure, yeah, give, give me like I, it is. It it has a very high floor, and I just hope they don't have fluff episodes in there because if they keep it as a lean, mean fighting machine, this show could be really fun. Yeah, and I think with six episodes, like. We've learned what has happened, at least viewer-wise. We've learned what's happened when you've done a fluff episode in a six-episode season. Um, so I hope now that, you know, Big Daddy Iger's back in, in charge of Disney and seems to be pulling the reins in on a lot of the projects across the board, um, that you don't get any of these fluff-related episodes in this um, they're all going to be directed by Ali Salim. Um, and I mean, this cast is, is crazy. This cast is insane. 
Same Samuel Jackson, Oscar Werner, Olivia Coleman, Amelia Clark, ben Martin Freeman. Yeah, the I'll be interesting to see the whole Mar- Martin Freeman of it all because he does technically get Wix. Spoiler for people who, for some reason, still haven't seen Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Uh, got whisked away by the Wakandans at the end of that movie. So I'm questioning how 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 is he involved in this? So I think a lot of it from the original trailer too that we saw there was like a government vehicle that kind of explodes, um, which allegedly is carrying the current sitting president of the United States, which a lot of people are speculating that the current president of the United States is going to be a scroll, which is how Harrison Ford is probably going to rise to be the president of the United States in Captain America: New World Order and the Thunderbolts. Which, which, which it would, which that would check out concerning how uh, photos of him on set, uh, set, uh, set, uh, were tweeted around with with the name President Ross. Yeah, uh, we also got full blown confirmation of Amelia Clark's character. She is playing Talos's daughter, um, which a lot of people were not initially expecting. And, uh, you know, for her to come into the MCU is a big deal as well. And, you know, it feels like years ago. I mean, it basically was at this point that she was on Jimmy Fallon talking about uh, how the Marvel uh, super spies were outside of her house to make sure she wasn't uh, saying anything when she initially got casted uh, for this show. I mean, Don Cheadle's going to be in this show. Olivia Coleman, Kingsley Benadire is in this yeah, show. Like, there's, there, there, there's a lot of people in this show, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Shows like has the potential to be absolutely massive. Um, it is going to. It is confirmed to be the first series of Phase Five in the MCU. Uh, June twenty first, twenty twenty three. Perfect summertime. Uh, you know, thriller, and then. On top of that, we kind of got confirmation from Owen Wilson that uh, Loki wow. season two is going to be end of summer, early fall. So wow, let's go! Wow, wow. Uh, um, another I'm just piece. So excited. Well, keep keep up that assignment because I'm not sure if you saw the news yesterday, but Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, and Eddie Murphy are in early talks to return for Shrek Five. Donkey! Donkey! What are you doing in my swamp? Um, b- the Barbie trailer dropped. <laughs> in uh, in uh, in which we also learned that John Cena is in this film. Is is is. Is he just super swollen, or I don't know what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Um. You see, J- Gritty is also in yeah. in Barbie. <laughs> yeah. A Jason Momoa starring in the live action Minecraft movie. Christian, that, that, I'm going to say this. I don't care for Minecraft. <laughs> don't, don't. But don't do it. This movie coming into the fold only adds, if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know where I'm going. This adds to my Super Smash Brothers movie universe. Oh, Christ. It's just continuing to build. 
We've got Detective Pikachu. We've got Mario. We've got Sonic. And now we've got Steve from Minecraft. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got the second trailer for Across the, for, uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Most viewed superhero trailer of all time. Makes sense. Considering the hype They did the it. thing. They did the thing. That 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 was, <laughs> it was it was it was so good. Get Spider Man. He says to a million Spider Men, and they all start pointing at each other in confusion. I'm like fuck yes. <laughs> so stoked. And one one thing I loved about that trailer is uh, so uh, what's I don't. I want to butcher the term, but Miles is mixed race. I don't know the right term for for biracial. Yeah, but his his mom seems to be like Puerto Rican, and the dad yeah. is black. Yeah. And when the teacher says he has a B in Spanish, and the, and the mom just starts mira, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, give it to me. <laughs> like just like like the. The interactions with his mom in this trailer are so good. It's like, oh yes, <laughs> I need this. Um, some 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 kind of streaming news and stuff. Um, we got the official date for Martin Scorsese's next film, Killers of the Flower Moon. It it will end up eventually on Apple, but it'll start in a limited release on October eighth. And a nationwide release on October twentieth, and this is the movie based on the best-selling non-fiction novel that has Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Jesse Plemons in it. Uh, so that, and then Rid, and then Rid- Ridley Scott's Napoleon film, also for Apple, will go to theaters on November twenty-second, which stars Joaquin Phoenix as. As no, as no, as Napoleon. Thought, thoughts on those two things, Kyle? Apple, Apple going big into theatrical. Let's ride. And probably the one, the one piece of news that made me most want to punch a wall, Kyle. Do you do you have a guess at what it was? I don't know. Dwayne Johnson announcing a live action Moana film with the same fucking cast. Oh, yeah. I I I don't get doing that when the movie's not even ten years old. That and it's the same cast too. You 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 you're not even bringing in a new cast for the live action and like, or, or how 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 much bigger can Dwayne Johnson get without you having to use CGI to make him look like M- Maui? Like it's it's I'm like mm, yeah, like. Get get your original IP in line, and and again to 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 I be because we recorded late last week. We didn't get to talk about this one. Um, they're doing a mixed live action CGI version of the Aristocats. Yeah, we touched on that a little bit with Questlove directing. I'm like Disney, please for fuck's sake, like learn. There's it's it's 
Although uh, last week you were kind of intrigued by that because <laughs> I brought up why are we doing I, this? I, I, I am still intrigued, but I'm still okay. If this doesn't need to fucking exist, it's yeah. It 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 is it, it's quite literally Disney just recycling IP to make money off of kids, and just having like like we've entered the stage where where it's like Strange World, Turning Red, Soul. Uh, we're getting a Soul Two, I think, or something, and it's like. Okay, we're making these new original films every so often. Then we're going to make like three remakes of these classic films. That's like, no. Why? Why okay. do we need to remake classic films? It doesn't need to happen. In something that seems very fun and a, a Star Wars project that I feel like you're going to be watching with us. Tommy? Skeleton Crew. Oh, yeah, those even Jake Schreier from Beef and the Thunderbolts. We'll direct at least one episode of Star Wars Skeleton Crew. Uh, and also, I know you aren't watching The Mandalorian. We, Dylan and I will have already touched on this by the time uh, we're at this point. But uh, can you guess who the special guest stars were in this week's episode of The Mandalorian? Natasha Leone and Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> if only. Uh, it was actually <laughs> Jack Black. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so someone, someone posted no context spoilers for Mandalorian this week with, with a Jack Black, not, not, not a Libra gift. And I was extremely confused. Jack Black. Confused. And Jack Black's character's wife, none other than Lizzo. Huh? <laughs> See, see, so here's, here's the thing. I enjoy that bullshit more yeah. than what they did in She-Hulk, where where it's just bring what's her name in, and it's like ah. this person's impersonating that <laughs> that that person, and then Chorkus. I'm like, no. Yeah, I like when they make them actual character, and like the Star Wars streaming platform shows have done this a lot, where like Thundercat has been in, uh. The Book of Boba Fett, and then we also got Danny Trejo in the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, hell, Bill Burr, Bill, Bill Burr, Burr in the Mandalorian. Burr. Like that's what started it all, and it was great. Um, so I like Wait. those like week by week, kind of like fun cameos of like the unexpected Star Wars fans. Yeah, in Star a, Wars, it's it's like build them into the actual story instead of just having them like, oh, I'm playing myself in this, making a cameo because of this. It's like, no. Make it feel part make it feel part of the world and have us feel like we're having a fun time here. And you'll also appreciate who was uh, in last week's episode too because it did have Poker Face tie-ins. Cheers, we're going to love it. <laughs> now that I would love to see. Um, I'm blanking on his name. It was pull it up here. Come on, come on. Uh... Oh, my dear friend, what are you doing? This is the great part about post production. <laughs> Uh, 
It was. He was he was the husband in the like theatrical episode of Poker Face. Oh yeah, him. I don't I don't remember his Can't name. Th- but he's I got the most that. like recognizable face. Poker Face cast. Search by order. It's not read Bernie. No, it could be on down. Charles Melton? No. Here we go. Exit stage death. It's not Reburn. Tim Meadows. Oh, Tim Meadows. He was in the episode last week, and I was like, ah, is this a crossover episode? Sir, uh, I just want to circle back to your, to your skeleton crew thing because we are getting a great collection of directors on this to do like single episodes. Like we are getting the Daniels, and we're also getting David Lowry, which is fun. Speaking of David Lowry, did you ever see the uh, Peter Pan and Wendy trailer? No. So there's like a kind of retelling of Peter Pan being done. That's gonna be a Disney Plus only film by David by David Larry. And it still is the Disney CGI problem of like everything just looks dark. I'm like, why? <laughs> like let's just like don't 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 get me started on like non-Marvel Disney CGI in this live-action stuff because if you just look at the Little, Little Mermaid trailer, it's like Little Mermaid, the original movie is never be bright and colorful and all this, and then it's just like live-action, dark, drab. I'm like, no. You're missing the whole point of it. Dems beat a breaks. Um, we'll have a little more news and notes in this episode as well. With Dylan. And uh, Christian, any final thoughts before we uh, get prepared to head into the Ted Lasso universe? I'm Jamie fucking Todd, mate. There it is. Uh, We'll be right back with Dylan for more news and notes. You will get that reference soon, Kyle. So don't go anywhere. And now it is time for everybody's favorite segment. It is the streaming platform Multiverse News and Notes brought to you by our good pals over at Kenwood Beer, Dylan's beverage of choice when he's scrolling through the news across the multiverse. And uh, Kenwood Beer is part of our live tailgate event going down this Saturday, April 8th, our Ring It live tailgate podcast before the Phillies game, Jetro Lot, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, the podcast begins. We'll be in the lots, hanging out, tailgating before the game. Come say what's up. It's going to be a doozy of a time. The Kennys are going to be flowing. Kenwood on 
deck. And you guys can use the all-new and improved Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. Kenwoodbeer.com. I like. You can also get it at your local liquor store in Philadelphia, uh, in the Philadelphia area. And you can also, if you're in the eastern Pennsylvania area, get it at your local Whole Foods. Go crack open a nice cold Kenny at your local Whole Foods. See, Kenwood uh, is healthy. It's at Whole Foods. They're the best. They're the best in the game. Um, it was super easy to find, too. I, I picked up some. Uh, at a local liquor store. It was super easy to find there. So go to kenwoodbeer.com as well. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. Dylan, we'll start things off. We finally, we finally got another one. Secret Invasion trailer. Confirmed date for when it will be releasing June 21st. Secret Invasion, man. <laughs> He's a secret invasion, man. Um, and it, the show looks awesome, like looks so so good. The the it really I think has the potential to kick Phase Five off with a certified bang in terms of television for Phase Five, and I yep. think just overall projects. Like when we talk Phase Four of the MCU, we still bring up Loki, Wandavision, Moon Knight as being like core pillars of everything that went down in Phase mm -hmm. Four. I think Secret Invasion can be in that pantheon, if not, like, sitting at the table with those three shows in our book. You know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you guys know those are the three that stood above the rest in terms of the television shows uh, with the MCU. For sure. I We also got confirmation of Amelia Clark's character. She will be Talos' daughter, who we saw in Captain Marvel back in 2019. Um, lots of stuff is going to happen in this show it's a loaded cast what were your thoughts on the trailer dylan i like the trailer i think it showed enough but not too much i have a, i you know, you know me I, I have problems when trailers show too much um it got me excited because i almost forgot <laughs> the project was coming out because <laughs> it's just been on the back burner for a while um and then like kyle said it i kind of got me thinking about Marvel again. I was saying off camera, I've been a bad nerd and I really haven't seen any of the newer Marvel films. And it's not necessarily because I hate Marvel. I just don't have a burning desire right now. But with that being said, Secret Invasion is kind of rekindling the fire. Yeah, I'm excited to see where that show takes us because I think it has potential to be incredible. Dylan, I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, this comes from GQ. Donald Glover confirms they are talking about him returning as Lando. Quote, just needs to be the right way to do it. I'm okay with that. Um, I don't think his character was too bad. I think it was interesting. The prequel Han Solo movie. I don't think it was the best, but it wasn't the worst Star Wars film. And I don't hate the idea of uh, them giving him another chance to be Lando. The big Star Wars projects on the horizon, there's two. They continue to pull in big-time directors for these episodes. Which is good. Uh, Jody Turner-Smith confirms to uh, discussing film that Kogonada from After Yang is directing episodes of Star Wars The Acolyte. Nice. Big time. I'm excited for that show, big time. And I know you're also very excited for Skeleton Crew, Dylan. I love Jude Law. 
So I'm all aboard. <laughs> uh, and we have Jake Schreier, uh, who's worked on Beef, that's on Netflix now, and is working on the Thunderbolts. He will direct at least one episode of Star Wars Skeleton Crew. Beef. Beef. Uh, the yeah, next be- thing here, uh, Keanu Reeves will star in Outcome for Apple TV Plus with Jonah Hill set to direct. The film follows a damaged Hollywood star who must confront the demons of his past and make amends after he is extorted with a mysterious video clip from his past. Blackmail. You gotta love it. Beef just or- continues the trend of Apple TV like stepping up to the the batter's box and hitting. Yeah, I park. actually started. I'm happy you said that. I just um, borrowed someone's Apple TV sign in. Um, thank you, coworker at work. <laughs> <laughs> I watched two episodes of that newer show called Severance. I've been told I need to watch that. It is wild. Um, so I definitely recommend that so far. Um, but to give Apple TV, yeah, to agree with you that they have some interesting shows, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, Barry Levinson's The Wise Guys, starring Robert De Niro as two different Italian crime bosses, will release on February 2nd in theaters. I love that. Uh, the net, We got our first look at... <laughs> Jakuku Pahuinix, Joaquin Phoenix in Joker 2, and Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn in Joker I 2. keep forgetting she's in the movie until I see, like, set photos of her on Twitter or TikTok. And I have to say, this first look at her as Harley Quinn is like, eh? Like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't scream Harley Quinn, is what I should say. Kyle, not a fan, confirmed. <laughs> no, kidding. Uh, Dylan, good news because I think we all we call we all kind of look to the audience scores a bit. Super Mario Brothers movie is doing really really well right now. That's great because you said one of the most underrated things we've ever said on the show is that regardless of who you are, I think in nowadays age you indirectly look at reviews for a film that you aren't completely dedicated to. So for example, we all know I love Lord of the Rings and I will usually try things in that entity and so forth. But for Kyle, who's not a Lord of the Rings guy, he might want to look up like, is a new one worth it? And if the reviews are saying, holy crap, yes, then Kyle's like, all right, Dylan, let's go. But if the reviews are like, this is literal poop, covered in poop i was be like dylan i'm gonna be sick that day <laughs> same thing with mario yeah the critic scores are at a 55 percent on rotten tomatoes where the audience score is at a 95 percent and everyone i follow on twitter who has gone to see this movie so far dylan has said it's absolutely incredible which well, has me really excited makes me actually kind of want to go to the theater to see it it's a me Mario, let's go. It's a me, Mario. Don't go. And that those uh reviews are on 128 reviews, by the way. Uh Dylan, the new trailer for Across the Spider-Verse dropped. Wait a sec. Oh wait, I watched that. It is generated as of April 5th, 148.6 million views. The most viewed superhero film trailer for the summer. That's that's incredible. <laughs> that's wild. 
and they also they did the thing. They did the thing, Dylan. Julie, do the thing. They they did the pointing thing. <laughs> the meme. The memes. They did the memes. Uh, set to release on October 27th in theaters, the live action Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Oh my God! I f- is that Nick Cage, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I got fa- I got I got fact check. Fact check. Live- fact check. Live action. Five Night Freddy's. And here's the fun part, Dylan. It's also going to release on Peacock on the same day. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> what the what the what the what? <laughs> oh no, I played the game. They made my boy the bad guy. Not Shaggy. <laughs> Matthew Lilliard's casted in there. It's him. And Josh Hutcherson. I thought he stopped acting. That's crazy. That's why I was like, what the what the hell? That's like a random... It's like, literally, when you're looking at the IMDb, it's like child, 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 old lady, child, 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 old man, child, child, random weird face, child, child, <laughs> Matthew Lillard, Josh Hutcherson. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, uh, we talked about Jack Black earlier, Dylan, and... He says the cast of School of Rock are reuniting for the film's 20th anniversary. Really? Now, that's a good movie. Love that movie. Uh, there, there's been talks. I saw this pop up on the timeline today. There's a, a big discrepancy in The Last of Us uh, contract payments because Big Daddy Pedro got 600 thousand dollars per episode and bella ramsey got seventy thousand dollars per episode here's the thing guys both were phenomenal both are obviously the the stars of the show pedro pascal has a much larger catalog uh, to to work with and to base off his acting abilities and is the more well-known actor i think a lot of casual people saw pedro pascal project i'm in so that's what drew them into the last of us bella ramsey this was like yes she was in game of thrones but this was her this big... was her coming out party yeah because game of thrones she had a relatively minor part she's probably in like four to six episodes and was hardly in half of them so and yeah. she's going to get more roles because of her performance in the last of us yeah she's becoming a more household name now and also yeah. Last of Us season two. So, yeah, she secured the bag. So just relax on that. It's obvious what, like, I mean, Pedro Pascal has so many bangers in his in his catalog. So, like, of course he's going to get a larger bag. Uh, but speaking of Bella Ramsey, uh, she will lead Monstrous Beauty, also starring Fiona Shaw, Ruth Nega, and Dominic West, the film follows Ramsey as an aspiring playwright in the court of King Charles II, who suffers from a rare condition that means she is entirely covered in hair. Wait. <laughs> what? Yeah, you heard that right. Uh, a TV series about the founders of the Pirate Bay is in the works. I'm confused, but I kind of like that. I saw that, and it unlocked a deep, dark memory in my brain. It is deep down there. That is for sure, brother. Uh, We got the first teaser for My Adventures with Superman, uh, which the series releases in the summer on Adult Swim. I like that. 
And then we also got uh, a first look at Charlie Day's directorial debut today, Dylan. Fool's Paradise, starring <laughs> Ken Jeong, Kate Beckinsale, Adrian Brody, Common, Jason oh. Sudeikis, John Malkovich, and Ray Liotta. The film releases on May 12th in theaters. Interesting casting. I'm very excited about that. I feel like that's a movie that I have to go sit down and watch. Um, We got the first trailer for Still, a Michael J. Fox movie. The documentary releases on May 12th on Apple TV+. Plus. Once again, Apple TV pumping out the bangers. They are. They're starting to turn out the content for sure. Uh, Star Wars Celebrations begins this weekend, Dylan. Anything that you are hoping for? Uh, obviously, over the past couple of years, we've gotten some tasty morsels. I want, I want something like dark. I want like a like a Sith point of view show. I want I want like a horror movie with Darth Vader. I, I've been saying this every time you ask the question, and I want it. I uh, I hope we get an Ahsoka trailer. I'm not alone here. The world wants this. <laughs> we get trailers for or teasers for the Acolyte and the Skeleton Crew. Um, and I hope we get some like out of left field announcement. I don't know what it will be, but I hope like something fun. You know, Star Wars has been on a heater recently, which is very exciting. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll be following along Star Wars celebrations. Not there, but we'll be following along. Uh, so definitely follow us on the socials for that. If only uh, we could be there. <laughs> one day. One day we will yeah, be there. That's true. Um, looking here to see if I missed out on anything. Oh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because it, it's nope. continuing to prove the long-running podcast bit, Dylan. The Super Smash Brothers universe is continuing to take shape. Uh, the live-action Minecraft movie starring Jason Momoa. Will release on April fourth, twenty twenty five, in theaters. You said live action Minecraft. Yep, with Jason Momoa. Is what the? F- I'm, is there other cat? What? Is he Steve? Yep. What? Steve's supposed to be like the most generic guy. Why'd they hire like literally one of the most handsome humans to play? <laughs> I hate when a movie's early and you go on IMDb and it's like, cast, Jason Momoa. <laughs> That's it. Um, Kyle, I don't, I don't fucking know. How <laughs> we are building the Smash Brothers universe, my friend. Because if you don't know, Steve is a playable character in the most recent Super Smash Brothers game. Um, which now gives us Mario. We have... Detective Pikachu. The guy who wrote or is writing the Minecraft movie, his movies are Napoleon Dynamite, Nasha mm-hmm. Mines, mm-hmm. and Gentleman Broncos. So it's very mm-hmm. big director. He really hasn't done much else. His most recent thing, he's done some TV work. He did The Last Man on Earth two episodes, Making History... Um, but he has some upcoming ones. Nick Tunes, Minecraft, Shanghai Dawn, and Thelma the Unicorn. So I don't know what to expect from that project <laughs> at all. I can't wait. We are building the Smash Brothers universe. Um, but that's all we got pretty much for you guys next week, hopefully. Um, 
we'll be able to uh, talk some Ted Lasso season one on the pod now that Poker Face is off the docket. If you missed out, I don't know why you're at this part of the episode yeah. before the first sure. part. Um, but Dylan, Ted Lasso season one is my hope for oh, next that. week. Uh, you've watched season one, right? Yes, sir. So I'm hoping to buckle down and watch season one, and that will be on the docket for next week. Um, also, I mentioned this to Christian on the episode. We already did it, but New Rockstars is going on their episode-by-episode episode rewatch of Daredevil. I was like, we did it first. Really? We did it first. <laughs> we did do it first. You powered through that, my guy. Which, as it gets closer, I feel like um might have to do that again. I'm okay with that. It's that, it's that good of a show, everybody. It's that you, good you, of had, show. you have to watch it too. Um, which I forget if we met, if we talked about this last week or so, but uh, confirmed Daredevil portions of the new show Born Again will be taking place during the blip. I love that. I got it kind of fills in some holes if they do it right, you know? I'm yeah. just pissed that they're not using the same actor as Fo- Foggy and uh, the other girl, Paige. Yeah. I don't even know if they're going to be in the show. I just know Vanessa was recast. That's true. That's, that's a good point. Maybe they're not even in there, you so, know? We'll see what happens there. But make sure you guys are following us at StreamerSZN on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBICZL311. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We're there. Leave a five-star review. Five-star rating. Dylan, in the reviews, what should they be doing? Say the line, my good brother. In the reviews, they should be letting us know what to watch next. Um, you can do it on comments on YouTube. You can do it in the reviews, like we just said. Uh, it can be a TV show, a movie, on any of the services. We got them. Let us know. Um, I'm starting to watch them independently, and we can watch them together as well. And also subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're at 426 subscribers right now. Let's get to 500 by the end of April. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Leave a comment down below your thoughts on everything Dylan and I discussed, everything Christian and I discussed, and everything you want us to discuss in the comment section. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon. Ring the bell. And make sure you guys get your merch. phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders. This has been another edition of Streamer Season, the exclusive streaming platform TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Last bit of news, too. Congratulations to Pat Pitts' brother. Uh, I meant to bring this yep. up in the news. Uh, Patty Pitts' brother, uh, his movie Quicksand, which is a Colombian survival thriller, uh, has been acquired by Shudder. Good for him to have, like, that's like, an incredible feat and it's just cool that we have a connection to him and even without a connection it's just good for him like very very proud of him very happy for him i guess it is uh slated for a june 23rd streaming debut uh the film is written by matt pitts patty pitts's brother uh who worked on westworld uh and it's directed by andres beltron uh it will be available for streaming on AMC Plus in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand as well. Um, and Quicksand stars Carolina Gaetan from Encanto. 
She is the uh, main actress. And then Alan Hawko from Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Um, very excited for this. We're trying to, we're working on getting Maddie Pitts on the show to uh, talk about this movie when it's uh, ready to roll. So hopefully in the next like month or so, we'll have another guest on the show, um, which is always, you know, what we're trying to do. Let us know in the comment section too, guests you want on the podcast that feel like they're attainable for us because we want to have some guests on the show to talk TV and movies with and just that space as well to help continue growing this show. Um, but this has been another episode of streamer season for Dylan, for Christian KB. We're going to go, uh, we're going to go meet up with a lot of celebrities in the star Wars universe and, uh, and tailgate, <laughs> go tailgate. Yeah. Come to our tailgate <laughs> till then we're getting the heck up out of here. Peace. Peace.